The health and lives of people who are assigned female at birth in our country are at risk. Society is becoming more diverse. I'm thinking, what's wrong with Japan? Ted Cruz, we about tired of you. Mm, maybe I don't know enough about my culture. The disorders began with a routine police raid on a homosexual bar, the Stonewall, on Christopher Street. I think it's going to infect the masses of gay people in the coming years. Welcome to This Way Out, the international LGBTQ radio magazine. I'm Lucia Chappelle. The overthrow of Roe threatens U.S. queer rights. Porter and Vinny take down Republican transphobes and once upon a time at the Stonewall Inn. Those stories and more this week now that you've found This Way Out. I'm Joe Bainline. And I'm David Hunt. With Newswrap. A summary of some of the news in or affecting LGBTQ communities around the world for the week ending June 25th, 2022. Almost 50 years of reproductive choice in the U.S. ended on June 24th. The Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood v. Casey. Its two previous decisions affirming access to abortion based on privacy and due process rights. Advocates are sounding the alarm that corresponding rights to contraception Consensual adult same-gender sex and civil marriage equality could soon be in jeopardy. The ruling in Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization involved Mississippi's highly restrictive state abortion law. Associate Justice Samuel Alito wrote the decision with only minor changes from a draft leaked to Politico in May. A 6-3 majority to uphold the Mississippi law agreed that, in Alito's words, the Constitution does not confer a right to abortion. Overturning Roe and Casey entirely was a step too far for Chief Justice John Roberts. He parted with Alito's ruling to make the vote on that monumental decision 5-4. to four. It's the first time in U.S. history that the top court has eliminated a constitutional right. States can now ban or restrict abortion access however they see fit. Several trigger measures in Republican-controlled states were set to immediately ban the procedure if and when the Supreme Court overturned Roe. Justice Alito took great pains to claim that overturning Roe would have no effect on contraception, consensual adult sex, or civil marriage rights. However, the court's farthest right, Associate Justice Clarence Thomas, seems anxious to get his hands on those issues. He targeted the rulings affirming those rights in his separate concurring opinion, saying, In future cases, we should reconsider all of this court's substantive due process precedents, including Griswold, Lawrence, and Obergefell. Interestingly, the African-American Thomas failed to include the related Loving v. Virginia decision that made the interracial marriage to his controversial wife, Jenny, possible. Liberal Justices Stephen Breyer, Elena Kagan, and Sonia Sotomayor warned in their dissenting opinion, either the mass of the majority's opinion is hypocrisy or additional constitutional rights are under threat, and it is one or the other. Virtually every major LGBTQ advocacy group has sharply criticized the high court's Roe ruling and warned of its wider implications, so have most women's and other rights organizations. Jim Obergefell was the lead plaintiff in the high court's 2015 marriage equality decision. He told BuzzFeed News that this week's Roe ruling 
made me angry, and it has made me terrified. It has me concerned. Obergefell is running as a Democrat for a seat in the House of Representatives in his home state of Ohio. Trailblazing transgender Admiral Rachel Levine is the Assistant Secretary for Health in the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. She reacted to the Supreme Court decision during an interview with This Way Out. So this is a sad day for our country. Um, And the decision today is dangerous. Um, Abortion is a basic and essential part of healthcare. And the health and lives of people who are assigned female at birth in our country are at risk. And so at the president's direction, we will double down to protect abortion access consistent with the law and the decision. But we stand unwavering in our commitment to ensure that every American has access to and the ability to make decisions about their own health care. You'll hear Admiral Levine on next week's edition of This Way Out as we begin a new series, Queerly Yours, Profiles in Courage, with Roger Q. Mason. In Japan, an Osaka district court ruled this week that the denial of civil marriage to same-gender couples does not violate the country's constitution. It rejected the case of three couples who were also demanding monetary damages for unjust discrimination. The plaintiffs were two male couples and a female couple. Plaintiffs Maki Sakata and Yuki Kawata expressed their disappointment in remarks translated by Al Jazeera. It's a terrible ruling. We are being discriminated against for a sexual orientation we cannot change. I'm furious and extremely disappointed. This ruling is much like the government's stance on gay rights. I honestly think the judiciary system is in favor of the government. The June 20th Osaka court decision directly contradicts the ruling last year by the Sapporo District Court. It said that the Constitution does not prevent same-gender couples from legally marrying. Those are the only two court rulings thus far. Queer activists and their supporters are facing a protracted struggle to bring marriage equality to the only G7 nation without it. Attorneys for the couples have already said that they will appeal the Osaka ruling. The Japanese government is slow to catch up with its citizenry. Almost 7 in 10 respondents favored marriage equality or some other form of legal recognition for same-gender couples, according to an Ipsos poll conducted last year. As two unidentified people who joined a small street march protesting the Osaka ruling told Al Jazeera, I think nowadays Japanese people have more interest in the LGBTQ community, but compared to overseas, the country is still not comfortable with them living here. I personally hope that will change. Society is becoming more diverse. I'm thinking, what's wrong with Japan? Global war on transgender girls and women continues. The world governing bodies for swimming and rugby each effectively banned their participation this week. The International Water Sports Administrator, FINA, voted to establish highly restrictive regulations requiring invasive probes of prospective competitors, hormone levels, and other characteristics. Leah Thomas became the first and only openly trans woman to win an NCAA Division I swimming championship. Some believe that her widely reported victory in the 500-yard women's freestyle earlier this year helped fuel this week's ban. The trans woman ban issued this week by the International Rugby League was described as temporary, pending further research. Officials say that they will finalize a trans women inclusion policy sometime next year. The International Cycling Union tightened its already restrictive rules for transgender competitors last week. 
Other sports governing bodies could be next. Officials at World Football Soccer's FIFA are reportedly reviewing their policies on trans women athletes. Lesbian U.S. women's soccer star Megan Rapinoe is critical of the anti-trans frenzy, telling Time magazine, Show me the evidence that trans women are taking everyone's scholarships, are dominating in every sport, are winning every title. I'm sorry, it's just not happening. There was pride and joy for several million people in Sao Paulo, Brazil, the leading host city on the planet for LGBTQ pride. June 19th saw the 26th celebration of the queer in the country's most populous city after a COVID pandemic hiatus in 2020 and 2021. With rabidly anti-queer President Jair Bolsonaro up for re-election in first-round voting in October, the theme of this year's colorful procession was a bit of a no-brainer. Vote with pride for policies that represent us. Polls currently show the homophobic, misogynistic Bolsonaro trailing left-leaning former president Luis Inacio Lula da Silva. Bolsonaro has regularly ridiculed LGBTQ people. He's demeaned masking to curtail the spread of COVID as being somehow less than masculine, and once suggested that COVID vaccines cause AIDS. He's living up to his Trump of the tropics moniker again. Bolsonaro is already questioning the fairness and accuracy of the pending presidential vote count. Hawaii's Democratic Governor David Ige signed three bills this week to prohibit anti-trans bias and embed queer representation in state government. One law now guarantees the availability of gender-affirming medical care. The second bans the exclusion of people serving on a jury based on their gender identity or expression. The third puts the state's LGBTQ commission on a permanent and continuing basis. Out lawmaker Adrian Tam knows that his state is swimming against the tide. He hopes the advances send what he calls a strong message across the nation that while some states are looking backwards, Hawaii will continue to move forward. Finally, Emmy-winning entertainer extraordinaire RuPaul Charles is not having it with the recent attacks on Drag Queen Story Hour. Texas and Georgia lawmakers are claiming that taking preschoolers to those life-affirming children's book readings is child abuse and should be criminally prosecuted. During an appearance this week on CBS's Late Late Show with James Corden, Mamaru gave his own reading. This is a diversion tactic to take the um, narrative away from uh, the gun debate into something to scare people into thinking about something else. And and they've been successful. Y'all want to help your kids? Take away them guns. That will help your kids. Hurting nobody. Yeah. You know, you're born naked and the rest is drag. Everybody's in drag. Shop, please. (laughs) That's News Wrap, global queer news with attitude for the week ending June 25th, 2022. Follow the news in your area and around the world. An informed community is a strong community. News Wrap is written by Greg Gordon, edited by Lucia Chappelle, produced by Brian DeShazer, and brought to you by you. Thank you. Help keep us in ears around the world at thiswayout.org, where you can also read the text of this newscast and much more. And you can read the transcript and listen to NewsWrap each week by subscribing to our This Way Out radio channel on YouTube. For This Way Out, I'm David Hunt. Stay healthy. And I'm Joe Bainline. Stay safe. Oslo's popular queer nightclub, The London Pub, 
was the scene of a mass shooting on June 25th, just hours before the start of the city's Pride Parade. Two people were killed and at least 10 were injured. The Norwegian citizen from Iran who fired on the pub and two other venues has been charged with murder, attempted murder, and terrorism. All Pride festivities have been canceled. But a defiant community brought their pride flags and flowers to create a makeshift memorial at the site. We'll continue to follow the story as it develops. Good news. Good news. Are you signed up for our e-newsletter, Inside This Way Out? We send them out every few weeks, briefly reviewing recent and previewing upcoming programming and deepening the conversation about your favorite international LGBTQ radio show. Email us at info at thiswayout.org. It has come so sharply to my attention the total lack of courage that the homosexual community has. And I know that people's lives can be ruined if they open up and reveal themselves. I know a number of people who are under 25, say. They all seem to be much more relaxed. I hope it's a sign. A sign from history points to a revolution later in the program. Robert Young and Jane White with Eleanor Donahue, Billy Gray, and Lauren Chapin in Father Knows Best. Texas Republicans took flight back to the 1950s at their state convention in Houston last week. Total bans on abortion and gender-affirming health care and the declaration that homosexuality is an abnormal lifestyle choice were just a few of the anachronistic planks nailed into their party platform. The LGBTQ log cabin Republicans were excluded from the convention. But the event was virtually crashed by Strands for Trans, an organization that supports trans-friendly salons and barbershops. Their hashtag transphobe takedowns of Texas Governor Greg Abbott and Senator Ted Cruz by entertainer Billy Porter and media influencer Lene Venee were geo-targeted to hit the phones of convention attendees. Strands for Trans presents Transphobe Takedowns. Gregory. 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 It's hard enough with you being an intolerable, soulless, and empty shell of a human being. But how do you continue to live with yourself with a hairline looking like that? Ooh, ooh. Is that a lace front? Even this man's hair is too embarrassed to be associated with him. Because that shit is receding with gusto. Gregaciousness. You have declared open season on trans youth and required members of the general public to engage in reporting them by law. Sir, sir, sir. Have you heard of the Fugitive Slave Act of 1850? Because it's giving copy and paste. I doubt it. You know they don't read. And apparently, nor do they use any of that NRA money Ooh. on proper hair care services. Yikes. Gregaciousness. Not only could you shift your focus to some hair restoration products and or some implant services, but you could also focus your energy as governor to the energy crisis you're ignoring. Securing the voting rights of your constituents rather than limiting them. Or, I don't know, adequately responding to the tragedy in Uvalde by enforcing gun control policies that would make families feel safer. But no. 
You so worried about trans kids. Sounds like somebody needs a relaxer. You and other GOP legislators are spending so much time cooking up anti-trans bills, mm. making attempt after attempt to inhibit the quality of life of individuals rather than doing your job and advocating for the safety and protection of all your citizens. Sound like you got some personal stuff to straighten out. To put an end to foul policies accompanied by foul haircuts. Ted Cruz, we about tired of you. Mm. Tired of you. Tired of you. Tired as that half-ass mullet on top of his head. Pick a side, because that's not even salt and pepper. No mother I know would let their child leave the house with their hair looking like that. <laughs> oh, glory. Cut that out, Ted. <laughs> cut it out. You know what else you need to cut out? Putting so much of your energy into vilifying the trans identity. Oh, and there it is. You have been consistently loud. Loud and wrong. About your anti-trans sentiments concerning things like gay marriage and now how parents of trans children work to affirm them. Again, based on what you stand for and what you believe. Who in your shampoo bottle, honey? What makes you think that your opinion is so pertinent that it should have the power to shape other people's lives and access? Well, you know, that's the colonizer mentality. You <laughs> thought colonization stopped at race. What? You were absolutely incorrect. You spend a lot of time imposing your Christian beliefs on individuals simply trying to mind their business. I know it's confusing based on the history of this country, but no, you do not get to build policy off your religious beliefs. No. The separation of church and state is not limited to buildings, my boy. Mm -mm. It actually applies rather specifically to your personal biases and how they affect policy making. People just want to go to the bathroom in peace, but you keep putting your greasy ass head in it. A word. If you would like to join us in fighting crimes against humanity. Like whatever is going on atop Ted Cruz's head. Uh, this is StrandsForTrans.com for more information. Billy Porter and Lene Venee got their messages to the Texas State Republican Convention by clandestine means. Meanwhile, the exiled log cabin Republicans issued a statement decrying the platform's condemnation of homosexuality, but strongly favoring the party's opposition to what it called this radical gender culture war. This Way Out is supported in part by contributions from our listeners. Some give a little each month, some make a larger annual contribution. More information and a link to give are online at thiswayout.org. Thank you. A good story never gets old, especially when its meaning gains new relevance every time it's told. Whether you're a movement veteran or somebody who's just asking, what's a Stonewall? Take a few minutes to reflect with us on the reason for the season. Living up, living up, living up proud. Living up proud, standing tall, loving loud. Look around you, there's a crowd. Living up proud. It was blamed by some on the recent death of Judy Garland, or maybe it was the sweltering New York City summer heat, or maybe it was the contagion of a civil rights movement instilling pride in the possibility of political power into long-oppressed minorities. 
but the world would never be the same after June 27, 1969. Parades and festivals celebrating gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgender pride are now held in cities all over the world practically all year round, but the tradition was born in June. Unfortunately, it's not surprising to discover that many people, even those who come out to enjoy the celebrations, don't know what event they're commemorating. This is Gabrielle Antolovich reporting from West Hollywood for This Way Out. You know what the Stonewall riots were about? I know a little bit about them. What do you know? Well, some cops came into a bar and some Long Beach cops and... Uh, New York. Oh, New York? Okay. Well, anyway, whatever. Whatever city. But anyway, they came into the bar and they were trying to break up the gays or whatever. And then the gays kick their butt. <laughs> That's what I heard. <laughs> I just heard like a whole bunch of drag queens just sort of like, you know, barricaded the whole half of the city and just, you know, took over for about a few days. You know that it wasn't just drag queens. It was leather boys and lesbians and people yeah. of color, too. Yeah. You know anything about the Stonewall riots? I don't know a thing about them. Well, what's the gay parade about? I guess to celebrate the gay life. Where you can touch in public and it doesn't, I guess, offend anybody or you can just be yourself. You know that it's a yearly event to commemorate yeah. the Stonewall riots that happened in New York. No! Did you know that? Did you know no. that? No, I knew it was Stonewall, but I didn't know why they called it that. Maybe I don't know enough about my culture. So just what is this party all about? significance of June 27, 1969 must be seen against the backdrop of life before that. This is the new symposium, a program from and for the homosexual community. I'm Baird Searles and also on hand, Kermit Lamb. This discussion was recorded at Pacifica Radio New York just six months before the historic event. I have felt, and I think I've changed even my thinking on this in the last three or four years, is that homosexuals aren't proud enough to be homosexuals and get out and, and, you know, be militant a little bit and say I am and a little like I'm glad to see now in the racial thing that, that uh, Negroes now aren't just trying to get along like everybody else. They've seen beauty in their own blackness. Yeah. Black is beautiful. It bears on what you're saying about being proud of homosexual, which I think even at now is a little much to ask of most people, but just being open about it. Um, since doing this program and kind of because of doing this program and trying to find people to do this program back at the beginning, it has come so sharply to my attention the total lack of courage that the homosexual community has. And I know the reasons, damn it, and I've been through it myself. I think that is one thing you can really pin on all of you out there is cowardice. And now I'm going to get letters saying, okay, it's easy for you, you're not going to get fired from the station. But it hasn't been that easy. The feeling that I've, I've totally lost contact with, with my father because of this program. Mm. And I know that people's lives can be ruined if they open up and reveal themselves. On an idealistic plane, we all know that if every homosexual said what he was tomorrow, that the whole situation would be changed for the better. Now, this is obviously a pipe dream. But for every homosexual that does open up and reveal himself, there are that many more people that realize that homosexuals are real, breathing human beings. They are not sex maniacs or freaks. 
that many more young people that are given the fact that a homosexual life needn't be a disaster? I know a number of people who are under 25, say, under 20. Uh, they all seem to be much more relaxed. I hope it's a sign. I don't so know. do I. There's a certain feeling among many younger people of uh, not caring who knows. They have straight friends who know, and uh, I hope this is sort of indicative of something. June 27, 1969, as recalled in Brett Artery's 1970 documentary. The disorders began with a routine police raid on a homosexual bar, the Stonewall, on Christopher Street. <laughs> Almost every homosexual who was in New York at the time of the Stonewall Rebellion has his own private memory of what took place. One of the longtime leaders of the gay rights movement, Craig Rodwell, remembers it this way. The first night was Friday. I was on the way home from a friend's house. The raid was just starting at that time, and we noticed the crowd, so we went over there. And a crowd was gathering out in front, and there was a paddy wagon pulled up, and a few people being taken out. It started with a few coins and pebbles being thrown at the police, and then the police retreated into the stone wall. And then after the police barricaded themselves inside, it was like half an hour later, the riot police started moving up, Christopher breaking up the crowd, which had really become a very angry crowd with hundreds of bottles and rocks. There wasn't a, one window left in the whole place after about 10 minutes. And they broke the crowd up into small groups. And this went on for like two or three hours, back and forth in the whole area. I think they thought that people would just go home or run, especially since they were, were gay people. They're not used to gay people standing up at all, especially in front of police. But they would chase people away and they would go around the block and come in another way. And just sort of tug of war went on all evening. And then on Saturday night, it was much the same thing. Starting about 9, crowds started to gather in the area. And then around 11 or 12, they started taking over the street, stopping cars and coming through, unless there were gay people in them. A few fires were set. But generally, there was a, an angry mood, a lot of chanting, a lot of hand-holding, a lot of assertion of, of being gay. It was a way of saying we're tired of hiding, tired of looking too alive tired of denying our basic identity, denying ourselves. Newfound pride, really, a collective pride in their identity. Another important outgrowth of the riots was the formation of numerous action-oriented homosexual groups in New York and around the country. They're composed for the most part of younger and more militant homosexuals. It still is a, a relatively small minority of gay people who do reflect uh, this new spirit, whatever you want to call it. I think it's going to infect the masses of gay people in the coming years. My power is here to stay, and nobody, nobody is going to ignore us any longer. Hey Joe, get up and go, wouldn't like to tell you twice. Hey Mac, get up my back, didn't ask your advice. There's too much heat out in the streets, telling us to move along. Stonewall, 1969 to 2022. Looks like the summer may be heating up again. Happy Pride.
Thanks for choosing This Way Out, brought to you by the nonprofit Overnight Productions. Some program material this week came from Joe Bainline and David Hunt, produced by Brian DeShazer, and Gabrielle Antalovich and Brett Artery from the This Way Out archives. Sam Cooke, the Little River Band, Sugar Beach, the Berkeley Women's Music Collective, and the Tom Robinson Band performed some of the music you heard, and Kim Wilson composed and performed our theme music. This Way Out thanks the Kicking Assets Fund of the Tides Foundation, the Yavana Foundation, a bequest from Christopher David Trentum, and donors John Beaupre and Richard Merck and Brad Payton of Silicon Valley. Listener donors make this program possible. Thank you. Look for This Way Out Radio on social media, email info at thiswayout.org, or write to us at P.O. Box 1065, Los Angeles, California, 90078, USA. For coordinating producer Greg Gordon and everyone at This Way Out, I'm Lucia Chappelle. Thanks for listening online at thiswayout.org and on WADR Janesville, Wisconsin, 4NSA Noosa Heads, Queensland, KCMJ Colorado Springs, Colorado, and a wide array of community terrestrial and internet radio stations around the world, including this one. Stay healthy, stay safe, and stay tuned, y'all.